Hello everyone, happy Sunday. I hope you're all happy today. Welcome to Earquake, my podcast. So this um, afternoon, I thought it's still morning, but it's already, you know, like um, half past one here, Singapore time. Um, today I'm gonna talk to my husband the same question. Uh, that I have last night but this time I will give the question to him about working and living in China from his perspective okay so I'm gonna shoot the question directly to him Okay, so my first question to him is, why China? Um, hello. Um, so yeah, why China? Um, well, to be honest, when I was moving to China, I didn't have any specific reasons for, worst, you know, living in China. Um, my story about China being living with Huawei. So after I finished my study in my, you know, university. I started working in Huawei and they were sending um, almost every new engineer to China for technical training. Um, the duration of the training was varying from one month to like three months, depending on the project. So for my case, it was one month and a half. So we were sent to Nanjing first. Um, so that was the point where I started thinking about like, you know, if I can move to China and start working after a working environment and people mostly um, so after that um, I was back to Turkey start working meanwhile I start looking for jobs abroad and eventually sometime um, like after I left Huawei um, I got the offer from my old company in Shanghai then I simply accepted that and um, I ended up with China I wasn't intent like it wasn't my intention to Okay, I want to work in China for sure in this city and so on. It was more like kind of, you know, process rather than a decision. Is it easy to get a job in China at that time, the process? Um, that time, I mean, you may apply and so on, but um, the whole process for me was okay. It wasn't hard, you know, it was normal um, job application questions and so on. Tricky part was getting the visa and going through the paperwork. Um, it was also easy, but it was um, time consuming. So you knew, I was like, I applied and it was like pretty much end of my work period in Huawei. And like in three months I was able to get my visa. It was mostly because of paperwork, holidays, some extra papers requested by the embassy in um, Istanbul. Um, but other than that, it wasn't hard, I would say. It was just time-consuming for dealing with the paperwork and so on. Okay, um, can you tell everyone which website you are actually using to get a job in China? I was using Jiaopin, China Cities, and 61.org, or 61job? Yeah, 61job. Mm. Um, that time, I was basically just you know, looking for companies in China, in different cities. Um, you know, pretty much Googling around and so on. Um, but right now, if you are looking for like finding a job in China right now, you can use LinkedIn. Uh, um, yeah, indeed. Um, so these are, you know, with English interface and uh, I think LinkedIn has Chinese version as well. So um, you may see a lot of Chinese companies looking for like, you know, people for working for them. Um, and also there's Fifteen Job, Jopin. Um, there are even some apps that um, you can install to your phone, but most of these apps are in Chinese, so if you cannot read Chinese, it would be almost impossible for you to apply for any job there, because even if you somehow figure out how to apply them, people will reply and ask questions in Chinese, then you need to reply them back. So those apps require you to speak um, or read and you know, write Chinese up to some level. And I think WeChat should have some mini apps that you may actually use for applying over WeChat for jobs in China, but again, I am really not sure if you can find any non-Chinese application, like if you don't have any Chinese 
you know, language skills, how you may apply for that. But I would go with LinkedIn mostly. Fifty One Job has English interface, um, but again, most of jobs there are expecting you to speak Chinese at least, like you know, intermediate level. Okay, sorry guys, it is Fifty One Jobs, not Sixty One Jobs. Now, next question: How much salary can you get as a entry-level engineer engineer in China? Um, for my case, when I started for like first recognition, it was around ten thousand renminbi per month. Um, that that was the net value after taxes. Um, but you know, it has been almost like nine years, almost ten years actually. Um, so right now, the amount of share that you may get changes a lot depending on the company, like if it's a startup, if it is funded, if it is backed by any kind of um, subsidy schemes by the government, because um, Beijing government is quite active in terms of supporting certain startups. So if you're somehow supported with any kind of subsidy, you may start with quite a nice package. It, doesn't have to be money, but they may give you packages like, okay, um, we pay your rent, we pay your monthly expenses at home, you know, like bills and so on. Um, we give you flight tickets back and forth, like once or twice a year, health insurance and so on. So depending on this, um, you may end up quite a nice package. But again, um, this would heavily depend on what kind of job you're applying and what kind of company that you are trying to, you know, apply for. Um, and also it depends on which city that you are planning to go. Like if it is not big cities, um, your salary will be um, remarkable lower than like, you know, like, you know, Shenzhen, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Beijing. Uh, main reason behind this is um, in smaller cities, your cost of living is remarkably Lower, yeah, cheaper than big cities in terms of especially rent um, and usual transportation. Like um, in China, you may need to pay like let's say five yuan for going from somewhere to somewhere else by subway. But if you're in some other city, you can just use bus for one yuan, for instance. Um, so yeah, this package would differ, and also every province usually have different kind of schemes for supporting the companies in terms of taxing and so on. So that would also affect your. Um, No income per month. Mm, interesting. Okay, because this is from the uh, full-time engineer point of view. Okay, uh, last time I told you that I'm a freelancer, and I teach uh, English privately, so my salary is not that high. I kind of get around 100 renminbi to 300 renminbi per hour depend on the person of course depend on the courses and so on but yes uh, even for me it is a quite um, nice amount of money as a freelance English teacher in Shanghai that time okay now what jobs are in demand in China I can say it is teacher how about you um, yeah teaching is still in demand basically um Especially English. And Especially for English. Um, and if actually you have, like, this is most of our local channels, like teaching Chinese to foreigners, um, that is also quite a hot job because there are so many people living in China and trying to learn Chinese. Um, besides that one, I can only speak in terms of engineering and, you know, software. Um, if you are doing artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, you know, this kind of um, like, analysis. Yeah, analysis, data scientists. analysis, or um, data scientist. So you may find it easier to get a job, but at the same time. A translator. Yes, translating jobs are also as a non technical job. Um, you can work in, like, even part timer, I mean, like game companies for localization and so on. Although they tend to employ like uh, you know students from other countries with native speakers for this kind of translating jobs for the localization jobs, because you may it is cheaper. yeah because it is cheaper you don't need to deal with certain kind of taxes and so on so they just employ these people. Um, but again, you can still apply if you have you know like language skills or some language which is hard to find in China for native speakers. So you can also apply for these. Um, yeah, for engineering, um, 
as I mentioned, is artificial intelligence, data science, and machine learning. Um, but you should be prepared for competition as well because while yeah they are looking for engineers and so on they are local with the locals yeah competition or? with the locals because um in terms of technical education and technical let's say um that kind of infrastructure china is quite developed i would say so you would have really um you know strong competition from local engineers when you're applying for a job um <clears throat> sorry um it doesn't mean that it is basically like hard or impossible, we just be prepared for that. Um, besides this one, there are different kind of engineering jobs that you may apply. Um, I got a friend who's working as you know gas and oil industry as an engineer. Um, you may also like if you have any kind of trade background for especially in terms of international trade and finance. You may find jobs in different companies in China as well. Um, yeah, right now there's this COVID issues that may not be very easy for these kind of jobs, you know, to be available for like foreigners but in general and you know if we exclude this covid era um it wasn't too hard for people to find jobs in um like trading and finance companies finance is mostly in shanghai and trading is usually in guangzhou and shenzhen because you know they're quite close to hong kong Yibu. um yeah Yibu. Yibu is a especially interesting place if um you have like trading <coughs> contacts and network with the middle east countries um, there's a huge trade going between Middle East countries and producers in EU. Yeah, for that EU part, I have a friend who are manufacturing her skincare, and she's doing something like for manicure, pedicure, pedicure, and uh, she got all of her supply from EU, and then send it back to her country in Israel and Thailand. And and you can customize your skincare um, perfectly and uh, with a very cheap price, and you got the uh, insanely similar quality with the high end skincare, like like Ho from Korea. Sorry, I mentioned about the brand, but like Estee Lauder or maybe even higher brand. So for them. There is this manufacturing, and you can come when they have that kind of fair job, fair, not job fair. Sorry, what is it? Trade fair? Yeah, you has quite active in terms of trade fairs, and also like in other parts of China, they're like, like in Guangzhou, Guangdong, there's Canton Fair. This year it will be held online because of you know corona-related things. But yeah, there were plenty of fairs that you may find certain suppliers, even you know customers, depending on what kind of fair that you're attending. Um, it is really interesting because I got a lot of question about how to get this stuff from China, how to get this thing from China, and I'm gonna tell you something that they are very excellent in imitating every little thing. Even you know there is a fake eggs, fake cabbage, fake bags, fake cosmetic. Um, I don't think it is fake. They can prepare exactly the same thing with the same quality if they want. But if you just want like um, less than 10 UN lipstick, so why should they give you a premium uh, materials for that kind of high-end uh, lipstick? Like let's say you want an Estee Lauder lipstick, they can make exactly the same thing. And even the um, big biggest company in the world also have a, a branch or some um, like em- employ all of the people in China to, yeah, to, to, to produce in, in China to reduce mm. the costs of production yeah. mm-hmm. so yeah so um, when I check my my t-shirt or my pants or my shoes yeah you can see all of them are made in China all of the brand is like maybe Gap Uniqlo or even um, for the shoes like that skull shoes that very comfortable shoes okay now next question can you work in China without knowing Chinese first? Um, yes, especially if you're an engineer and, you know, software engineer. Um, you know, most of these companies are um, either like doing jobs with, you know, globally or there are some of them, some of these are like their um, technical branches of big companies worldwide. 
Plus, usually the English penetration in terms of language, it is quite high in software industry anyway, so you may find a job um, without knowing Chinese. Tricky part is, so even though people in company may speak English very well, they may not put the ad in English. So that makes it harder for finding certain ads for applying. But um, again, um, it is not impossible, basically. Mm-hmm. Next, can you live permanently in China um, after nine years? Technically, yes. Um, but um, the requirements for getting a permanent residence in China is quite, um, how to say, demanding, I would say. Um, so they classify, so they basically each funder gets some sort of um, points based on how long you have been working in China, if you have any HSK, like it's like TOEFL of Chinese, like certification for Chinese language skills, um, what kind of company that you are working in, what is your income tax per year and how long you have been paying at that rate. Um, so there are too many criteria which gives you certain kind of um, points in terms of applying for permanent residence or you know visa like even like yearly extension for business permits so it is possible but the demand for like this kind of you need to pay this certain amount of income tax for instance or you need to have certain amount of investment and you employ this much of people um that makes it easier but of course this is not possible for everyone especially if you're just fresh grad or so on so i would say it is possible but um not that easy on the other hand after some time working in china you can get long-term visa um like my last application for my work permit was five years it was approved basically because i've been staying in china quite, quite a bit um but again it is not permanent so it just gives you like longer term of stay but um it is not a permanent residence. You cannot get a citizenship for that part. Um, what if you get married with a Chinese? You can get PR, permanent residence for that one. Mm-hmm. And that um, basically excludes all of the stuff that I mentioned about taxes and other things. But again, the processing of the application may take quite a bit because they check like quite a lot of stuff with your background and so on. Um, yeah, but if you're married to Chinese, you can get um, permanent residence. Um, as long as you're married, um, you stay married with your um, spouse. Okay, and how about the living cost in China as a single that time? Um, in general, living cost in China changes quite a lot depending on where you are living. If you're in a big city like Shanghai, Beijing, Tianjin, Shenzhen, Guangdong, um, Guangzhou, um, so in this cities, the cost of living is quite high, especially with the rent. Rent is actually the biggest expense for you, you know, on, on a recurring monthly basis. Um, so, but if you're in smaller cities, um, but I'm not talking about like, you know, really small village or whatsoever. There's like cities like Nanjing, some other sort of cities which are on provincial level. Um, in those days, your rent goes remarkably low. So you can actually save a lot of money in terms of that one. Um, for my case, when I first moved, I was simply renting a room um, and then um, I moved some small sized shared house and then, um, you know, eventually I moved basically bigger house, um, you know, with my salary increase and I can save money and so on. Um, but um, if you want to like save money or you know, reduce your cost of living, even if you're in a big city, if you're in suburbs, still you will have lower cost of living both the rent will be lower um there are certain markets selling cheaper stuff because you know they're out of city you can actually find um local producers you know selling their vegetables even in shanghai i was seeing people selling you know, like vegetables that they were producing in their gardens with really cheaper price um so you may actually reduce your living cost yeah but the commute time will be longer Yes, depending on how far you are from city center or if your company is, you know, in some sort of CP, CBD area, you know, in that kind of central area, then yeah, it will increase your commuting. But at the same time, if you're working in some sort of factory or that kind of techno park, they tend to be, you know, kind of out of city and they have proper connections in terms of transportation. So still you may some sort of find, you know, basis, some kind of balance between cost of living versus living too far from office and so on 
Okay, now how about the locals? What do they do for a living and how much salary that they get um, from what you learn from you know, your college who are Chinese people? Um, basically for locals, they do like... Everything. Yeah, they do everything like <laughs> another country basically, you know, from farming to high-end jobs and so on. And their salary ranges from really low, low levels to really high ones. And that depends on your skills, what company you're working in, um, which city you are, you know, which city you are living in and so on. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's there not much of difference in terms of making money and living between a local and a farmer. Uh, the amount of tax that you pay may differ, of course, if you are local. Um, but in general, pretty much like what a farmer may do in China, that, you know, locals can also do that. So there's not much of difference in terms of um, job that people are working in. Of course, the way that you are living may differ because, you know, culture is different. You may have some certain requirements, both culturally and for in terms of food and whatsoever it is. So that part always differs from locals, but again, um, I wouldn't call those a segregation between local and foreigner. Mm. Okay, um, I'm gonna go a little bit out of the question about the food. Um, is it really hard for you at first to find halal food in China, in Shanghai at that time? Um, for my case, for Shanghai and the other cities I have visited, um, I never had trouble to find an, you know local halal food. Um, you know, you can always find some halal restaurant. Um, even if there are no halal restaurants for in terms of meat, you can just go vegetable restaurants because um, there are actually some people who are vegetarian um, in China. Um, I think there are some branch of Buddhism, Chinese Buddhism, that they don't eat any kind of meat. So you can simply just show up there and just eat it because it is vegetable. So we don't need to worry if this vegetable is halal or not because, you know, there's no such classification. You may find plenty of seafood restaurants from fish to another seafood that you may consume. Um, so for my case, I never had any trouble to find halal food in like halal restaurants. Even inside the mall, they have here shari. Yeah, you can always find some like... Um, restaurant from Xinjiang. I think it's Xinjiang Resto. Yeah, yeah sorry. Xinjiang yeah. Resto. Um, there's local ethnic Muslims. Um, they're called Hueis. Um, so you can find some Hue restaurant which would sell Chinese cuisine with halal options. Um, yeah, finding a halal restaurant is never hard, especially if you're in a big city. Um, finding halal products like snacks and so on. Initially, it wasn't that easy. It wasn't there was not much of options in markets and shops. But you know, like for my last few years, it was extremely easy. Um, there were products from Malaysia, Indonesia, um, Thailand. Thailand, Turkey, and there's a local halal food producers um, that you may find. You know, rice called the meat. Um, and actually, where I was living, there was an old factory, Shanghai Halal Food halal meat processing factory um, I think it was still open um, so you know they have that kind of places where you know people with having proper like certain kind of dietary restriction like us um, you can even find kosher food if you know you know we have um, different um, religious background you can even order food from Xinjiang if you want a high quality yang rou or, or, or what is it Sheep meat? Yeah, you can simply, especially with this online shopping, you can order food from Xinjiang or um, Huawei Autonomous Region. Um, I was actually doing it for like snacks, chocolate, coffee, coffee or dried goods, like dried meat and so on. So it is not, even if the meat is fresh, um, some of them are actually using a cold chain when they are sending, so they just package it and they send air fried, so you get it next day and the ice blocks are still ice in the box mm -hmm. so it is not too hard to seriously find halal food as long as you know how to find them tricky part is like if you're doing online shopping you need to like know how to write halal in chinese and so on then um you can just get it easily basically okay how about the quirky cultures of the chinese people what's shocking you for the first time okay let me tell you about mine whenever people are out talking i thought they were fighting because mandarin is started with you know like 
high pitch or high tones of the sound so I thought they were um, angry to each other or doing some kind of arguments and I heard it a lot so if they are not fighting and they sounds like that what will happen when they are fighting that was my first question um well for cultural stuff I didn't have that much of like shocking moments or something um yeah I mean speaking is and the, you know the way that they speak changes a lot depending on you know which part of China that they are living what kind of dialect that they are using um yeah I mean sometimes they are quite loud when they are speaking and you may think they're actually fighting they might be actually fighting or arguing or it might be simple the way that they speak or you know making jokes on something um But yeah, I mean, it's so easy to get used to with that because, you know, everybody's speaking in that way. So, you know, after some time, you know, okay, this is the way that they speak. I don't need to worry. Um, in terms of culture, I didn't have any shocking moment, you know. I was mostly in Shanghai, so that might be one reason because it's pretty much open society, open culture. How about in Beijing? Beijing was pretty much the same. Um, but Nanjing is also, you know, big cities. <laughs> the thing is, culturally, even though they may have something like really weird for you and so on, people are culturally tolerant that, okay, this guy is foreigner, so, you know, maybe this, the thing that we are doing may not be fully fine for him or her. Um, so they may actually try to explain if you ask them like, okay, what is this? If you ask it in a polite and, you know, really curious way, Genuinely, they will just explain it in plain language, depending on your know, language skills. So, um, yeah, that that part won't take kind of quite a long time to get used to with that. I mean, there are certain things that um, is actually like funny. Um, like when you do shopping, people tend to look at your shopping cart. Um, at first, I was thinking they are just doing it. Um, you know, I don't know, like kind of. Um, how to say, I'm quick away, but it is more like a... Um, curiosity. Yes, curiosity, it is more like, okay, this guy is like foreigner, mm, what does he buy? You know, it is like genuine like curiosity, like a small kid is checking, you know, hey, what is this? And so, so at first it was kind of weird, but then, you know, you figure that, okay, they're just checking because they're just curious, okay, what does this guy buy and so on. Um, so it is... It is something actually funny, so you just got used with that, and so you know, and actually, not everybody is doing it. So, um, but yeah, from kids, you expect to you know quite a bit of attention. They will try to speak to you or just make jokes and so on outside. Of course, this is not quick or weird; it's just funny. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, um, yeah, as I said, they're quite a bit of tolerant in terms of you know, like culture. Um, they ask if you, there are certain things that you don't eat and so on. And some of them are even make their own research before, you know, Asking. offering you. Yeah, I mean, my landowner, the last one, not the previous one, that I was staying in that kind of attic. Um, so they knew that I wasn't eating pork and, you know, like meat. I mean, I was eating meat, but, you know, I was like checking if it is halal or not. So they um, basically knew that. And then whenever there's some festival or they cook something, they were like giving me um, just plain vegetable or vegetarian option or even if there's meat in it, they were saying, okay, this is like, you know, halal meat, so just, you can take it. Um, so they are really um, thoughtful in terms of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have any kind of like thing that you don't like, or you don't consume or you don't, you know, because of religious or other reasons, just simply tell them that, okay, this is my culture, and they will be um, really tolerant and accepting it without asking questions it's like, why does your, you know, they, they will never ask why, they will just accept, okay, this guy doesn't eat pork or this guy doesn't eat meat, they will just accept it and um, next time, even if like there's a seller that you're trying to buy something, If you say that, okay, I don't eat pork, they will just say, okay, I don't, everything they sell has pork or lard in it, just check with this guy or that guy. So they will just tell you, they will not say, oh, you cannot never find it. They will just help you to go find whatever that you're looking for. Yeah, and they are mostly very nice. Once we got lost from our hotel, I think it is Aihue, and two strangers take us directly to the hotel, right? They are really yeah, nice they're really helpful because like you know we are a partner and if you are lost 
they are really, you know, understanding that, okay, this guy's partner barely speaking the language and they are lost. So they're really helpful. Um, they help you to take you wherever place you want to go. Um, they're when people, um, you know, they may just invite to their cars or vehicles if they're going pretty much the same direction. And for free, just sit them and talk, you know, kind of talk them in the car. And then they say, okay, just get off from here, walk in this direction. You know, they're really helpful um, in terms of that one. And even if, like, you cannot find any more help, if there's a police or, um, you know, some other officer, officer, just kind of explain that you are lost. Um, and they may even take you some certain place, but they're in a police car or something just for helping and putting you on track, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, what we see in the media is not the same with what happened in the reality. Um, we are all human and it is like become our nature and virtue to help each other no matter where you are okay no matter what you know skin care or sorry sorry what color your skin are okay Mm, next one is it safe to work and living in china um i would say yes especially if have you ever been robbed or scammed or for scams, yes, you need to be aware because scam may happen anywhere, basically, independent from your country. Um, you know, it, you might be in some really safe country, but you're scammed or city, you're scammed. For scams, you need to be careful. And it's not too hard to be careful about scams because if you check it online, forums and so on, people share their experiences. And I mean, if you move to some city or some country, just, you know, you will have colleagues and you can ask them, hey, you know, I saw this, is this real, is this scam and so on. So in terms of scam, um, I wasn't scammed. There were attempts to scam, of course, but if you just double thing and just, you know, make some sort of like reasoning, you can easily figure it out because scams, I mean, yeah, there are many scams, both like in-person scams and online scams, but as long as you just make a little bit research, it is not, you know, you won't fall um this kind of schemes and so on okay how about the pollution that we heard a lot um from google and then the less hygiene environment Mm. and then the communist issue the political system and ideology um so okay for pollution part um yes air pollution is a huge issue and um even locals are basically aware of that thing that there is a problem, there are problems with pollution. Um, especially in cities where there's high production, like factories and so on. And if you're somewhere north, um, in China, if you're like living in some northern part of the country, um, the heating system works with coal. And So in winter, you have to burn the coal. Yes, you have to burn the yourself. coal to keep yourself warm. And if you are in rural areas, the the electricity prices might be higher than the city. Then because your income is lower, then you may have trouble to use any kind of electricity-based heating. Or the infrastructure may not be strong enough. So you have this call to keep yourself um, warm in winter. Um, so yeah, um, especially in winters, there's a huge problem with air pollution. Recently, they're trying to find ways to avoid it or reduce it. Um, they have been testing with really weird um, things like there's one thing that I remember that they're testing so they have some sort of magnetic um, pot that they put and is getting all of these small particles um, just with you know magnetism to clean the weather but last time it was still in that kind of experimenting phase of course the solvent problem so yeah um, air pollution is a huge problem time to time there are some issues with like some people or I don't know who is doing that so Let's say that you have some farm, you have pigs or calves and so on, and then they got sick and they die. So they throw these animals into rivers, and of course it doesn't have a good view anyway, um, in terms of pollution. But yeah, I mean, um, it is not like, oh, they don't care or so on. Um, they are trying to solve this, but it is not very easy because of it's a big country. And, you know, there's some sort of like... Um, certain process that it has been always in that way they can replace let's say coal with you know another option for like healthier heating um in places where it is possible they have wind you know wind turbines and so on for electricity 
uh, more solar panels but if you are at north um, the winters are long not much of sunlight there so they're trying to solve this but I don't know how or when they may come to solve this issue but yes pollution is an issue so you need to be careful if you have any lung problems and so on um, other than for soil water pollution for soil it is also affected because you know the whole polluted area is going down to soil and water so um, you need to be careful also what you're eating especially you may try to find local sellers um, or just buying organic stuff um, yeah, I saw some farmers are protecting their crops with something. Yeah, so that kind of greenhouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, you can find them for Shanghai. There were actually some sort of um, farms, especially in trying to do organic, um, you know, farming, protect the soil and use proper water. So yeah, I mean, these are things that you need to be careful. For water, you may drink tap water after boiling. Um, tap water is generally safe, but problem is. Um, the amount of um, heavy metals in the tap water is Pretty higher than the standards, Western standards, basically. So, so it is better to avoid it. Um, but uh, many people are just boiling the tap water, and after that, they can they are drinking. So in general, like if you're worried about how to say, like if there you will have any waterborne sickness or something. That is usually not the case. People, why people are worried and drinking bottled water in certain areas, they mostly want to avoid that kind of chlorine and that heavy metals in the water. But if you have any kind of like proper water filtering system, you can simply drink tap water. It is generally safe. Um, other than for other parts like the political and the oh no sorry the hygiene part. Um, yeah, there's also a complicated issue for hygiene, so um, depending on which country you are from, you may have some sort of shocking moment in terms of hygiene, um, in terms of like how they do it, how they consider something clean or dirty. Um, for big cities, generally it is clean, but you may see some really, you know, like dirty or messy areas. Um, for toilet issue that you may hear or see, there is actually some sort of toilet revolution movement. I don't know the exact name, but they're actually going through all of these public toilets because they also know that, you know, the place should not be in this way. Um, in recent years, they improved a lot for public toilets. Um, so it is getting better. Other than that, for hygiene part, um, so for some cases, um, you may see some areas there, then you know some you see that okay, instead of cleaning that thing, that whatever thing is making dirt, they just put some incense and other stuff as cleanser. And that is actually coming from Yin and Yang. It is dirty, so I balance with the nice stuff instead of cleaning and getting it off completely. So there are this kind of different perceptions in terms of hygiene, but... Um, they will burn incense inside the toilet. Yeah, you, you may see toilets like with really nice smelling incense. You know, either public toilet or even a restaurant or bar or whatever. So the, the logic behind is basically yin and yang, that you want to balance the bad smell with the nice one. Um, so I mean, for, for most of us, it is kind of weird thing but it is the way that they live in terms of hygiene and culturally it is also like that like they cannot um you know flush their own sorry teeth poop <laughs> because um it is said like they are you know like swiping away their luck or something yeah i mean there are different perceptions in terms of like um like what means what basically so yeah for us it is weird sometimes disgusting and so on but in general i don't think you would have any shock for hygiene um they are spitting everywhere, everywhere. yeah the spitting issues um actually like years ago the government tried to including the atm machine so never yeah. lean anywhere. yeah exactly so just avoid leaning in in public areas to this and that um yeah people just spit basically um it, it might be something quite weird if you know you have never seen such thing so it is quite weird it is noisy as well like the noise that they're doing is quite high so yeah that's something to um, consider I mean 
it, it is quite a weird place. You just see people spitting randomly, um, <laughs> here and there. In the morning, especially. Yeah, in the morning you can just hear really loud noises mm-hmm. when they are going to subway mm-hmm. and so on. So yeah. Yeah, ladies, gentlemen, kids. It doesn't matter. Just people, doing it. They love to do the it. Younger generation like reducing it. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, I think it will be gone, but um, it is still there yeah. for now. How about the communist issue, ideology, and political system? Um, your observation. Yeah, for I'm um, for that, but it's quite complicated because you know people who live out of China they got certain news from their own media. People who are in China they are getting news from their own media. Um, in terms of difference or like um, restrictions and so on, perception differs quite a lot. Not everything that you see in media is true, but at the same time, not everything you see is untrue. Um, so you need to have some sort of ways to compare and try to get more insight about what you heard about um, or see about China. Um, some of these are true, some of these are not true. Some of these are just having some like truth in it, but it's exaggerated or the other way. And it's just complete like lie. Yeah, it is completely a no, lie, but it still has some sort of like truth in it. Um, so it is quite hard to get or have some ideas just based on your media resources, because every single media outlet has their own agenda. So they basically broadcast based on that one. Um, besides this one, for my personal experience, the politics and restrictions and other stuff. Um, yes, there are restrictions in in use. Basically, internet is one thing. Um, most of the tools that may use, like YouTube, Google, and so on, they are all blocked. You may not access them without a VPN. VPN services are also blocked. Only few of them are working. Um, using a VPN is actually legally a crime, um, but that is never applied. People who has to use have to use VPN for their work. Like I was using VPN all the time, both my personal and business needs. Um, my company, and actually, their um, government telecom company, which is providing VPN service for companies who needs them. So you know that the. the Um, internet issue is kind of weird because it is not legally allowed, but at the same time, there's government companies providing services, so it is kind of weird. Um, but if you are going to China and if you use other Facebook, um, Google, and other services, just find a proper VPN service. And another thing is like, sometimes internet could be really bad, sometimes it is really good, depending on. You know which side. Sometimes like it is like this. So there's one side it is that blocked, and then they suddenly block it, and after some time they unblock it, and then they block it again. So you know there's always on and off situation on certain sites and so on. So yeah, internet this is a huge issue. So the restrictions that you hear about internet is this internet that is that in China is pretty much true. Um, at the same time, you have um, local options. Um, in case you don't need to deal with like use Google or something in terms of like other than Google service, you can switch to you know Baidu or Bing and Yahoo um, for searching. Even All, Baidu map is better yeah. than Apple Maps. Yes, um, and for China, let's say if you're using Google Maps normally, um, it is better to stop using it even with VPN um, because Google Maps is like not fully updated. I guess that. It is basically off accuracy in terms of calculating the distance, in terms of showing your options, like okay, you can use this bus or use the subway and so on. Um, when I was checking Google Maps a while ago, it wasn't showing like bunch of subway lines in Shanghai, which are actually in use. So, for your local needs, it is better to switch to local options. But of course, you know, if you email like on Gmail or let's say that you are a content creator on YouTube or Facebook, you will need a proper VPN. Um, so that is there. Um, in terms of other restrictions, um, there are some certain stuff that we we perceive it. Okay, this is against my like privacy or. You know that I share my data with this, and so on. Our government is watching us. So some of these are actually true. Um, so most of the applications are sharing data with government, but 
it is not on base of i follower one or they just share everything in case like um if government is requesting any kind of data for like any kind of investigation unlike in other countries that you need to get some sort of court warrant or so on they can just do it directly so you know um so that part is basically bypassed um yes your data is shared but on the other hand when you like try to explain this stuff hey they are just doing this and that um people there is like perceiving the situation in a different way that they go with okay yes they got my data but i got this convenience so they don't consider this case as a bad thing like this cashless and you know online payments and so on so both alipay and wechat have almost quite a bit of your data but they don't think this is like oh they have my data what if what if but you know yeah, the concerns we have AI face recognition yeah. is really so uh, for the, that kind of stuff they don't consider this I'm not I'm talking about people by the way not talking about like politicians or so so they don't see most of them they don't see this as bad thing they just consider this as um kind of convenience they happily perceive yeah they they happily accept it for most of them but there are some cases that this technology stack is used for abusive purposes or abusive actions um you already heard about the i think public credit system they will points to everybody so that is one of the big concerns not only out of china but also in china that it may actually be quite an abusive thing um there are just some cases that it was used in restrictive purpose that like let's say if you didn't have any points or if you have any um let's say political spat with um an authority or you have a court you you are basically punished or having a financial penalty and something they actually restrict your access to certain services like you cannot buy a flight ticket or with online services um so there are some stuff going on with abusiveness of this tax stack um but again for many local they don't consider this as a bad thing Uh, so you may have some sort of different perception and you know kind of disagreement but again um to me both sides are right like i may think that it is against my privacy and so on it is a valid concern right it is on the other hand they think hey but then you know i cannot use this let's say payment or let's say i don't know whatever facet that providing so it is convenient it is also correct um but I mean both sides should be considering okay why this guy is thinking that way or why this guy is thinking the other way around so you may have some sort of dispute in terms of this part so we prepared that one um other than that one um especially with the recent events in case your country is having some sort of political dispute with China um you may expect to see more paperwork then other people if you deal with visa or any other kind of application um so this is something weird i would say because the other guys are foreigner you are also foreigner you just have different kind you know citizenship and while the other guys have you know providing like less papers than you do they may still ask you to do something else you know give us this let's say this report or tax you know record from tax authority so there yeah, there are this kind of um restrictions based on the you know current news so we prepared that one too um if you want to send money to your like back to your country or another country it is um tricky for both for locals and foreigners um but if you're a foreigner you just need to prove that you get you're getting this income officially so you have tax record and this place where you are sending the money back if it is your own account it doesn't matter in which country it is they will just send it but you need to prove that okay i make this money legally in china and i'm transferring my my own funds to my own account if you can prove this one um or everything is fine it is time consuming you need to wait or you need to go to the tax office for getting the um tax records some of these by the way are already you know online um so you cannot transfer your money online directly by online banking you have to go to bank because they need to check your papers but again um although this time consuming it, it they just transfer it. they don't say you can't transfer it and so on um it is just time consuming um 
you have restriction on how much foreign exchange you may have um uh, it was 500 usd an equivalent in our currency that you can exchange without any extra papers every day um so some people when they want to get out of china they usually ask their local friends to help them with the you know exchange the yeah, forex yeah otherwise um it would be kind of time consuming thing like just you just go to bank every day <laughs> exchanging 500 500 and actually some of the bank is asking like why are you changing 500 500 every day and then when you said yeah i will go abroad and then they understand okay yeah we need to deal with this guy for a few more days because you know they understand that you need to exchange and um, you know if like you want to exchange even more it is tricky because they don't let you even you cannot carry a certain amount of cash in the airport with this recent changes with the trade war and so on so it is also becoming harder even if you get your forex you cannot carry it out so yeah they're just gonna say that you need to pre prepare um other than that one in terms of political um conflict and um disputes some of the stuff that you see on you know when the media is true basically like there's an issue going on with xinjiang and um they call it re-education camp, but they are some sort of jail, basically. Um, so that issue is a topic in, you know, in mainland as well. Um, there have been issues with Hong Kong recently. Tibet was an issue before and still, I guess. Um, so you may not see, of course, the news in domestic media. Of course, you will see them, but of the narrative would be a different way. Like, um, so we prepared that one too. That um, the news that you see in domestic outlets may not fully um, objective. Um, so yeah, you just basically increase the amount of your news resources, then you may have um, some sort of idea about what is going on. Um, other than that part. Um, in general, it is not, not I wouldn't say advisable, but it, like if you're into politics and love to talk about politics and so on, you will see that many of locals are not into speaking or talking about politics. Some genuinely doesn't, you know, like talking about it. Some are just... Don't like, know anything about yeah, it. Yeah, don't know anything about it. Some just even if I talk about this, you know, what would change and so mm -hmm. on. So. Um, you may see that kind of like reaction, which is um, fine. Everywhere, actually. Um, it is. It could be like um, I mean, how it is shown like out of China is like oh, you know, people are suppressed and so on. It is actually not suppression, at least direct suppression, that they don't want to talk. They are just not into that. It is because even if I talk, what will the change? Even if I talk, you know, what would be the benefit? of this thing um yes there are some certain political movements in china but um finding those in person and online or talking to them is quite hard i would say because they're pretty much underground that you may not have access to them even if we have access to them they may not be able to speak english so you know we have to speak chinese um besides this one personally i don't have any trouble um with authorities yes i mean some, some paperwork was getting harder it is mostly because of this political spat that i mentioned so if that is getting harder i mean it won't it is not like oh we are not renewing your visa because we have political dispute going on they will renew it at the end um but the process is but the process would be longer and tiring so if you just like let's say that they were till now they were renewing your visa without any problem but seven days start calling into police station for this and that so first thing Coming is for interview. yeah oh my first God. thing is just don't worry or panic about it or just don't get angry i mean yeah you can get angry because the time loss are in trouble but don't and get worry. the interview for more than two hours yeah that is two the different cops. yeah so you know um we actually have the experience in terms of that one so it is it is just time consuming and police is not like um hostile or something they're actually quite nice um, some of these are also aware that okay, you know, we call these guys for interview just because we have to not they are bad people. So the process usually goes, okay, it's just time consuming, um, you need to wait, um, your papers are transferred back and forth, um, you just have some extra checks. Um, and most of the cases, that, okay, you know, police is coming and checking my you know, home or something. So they do. they do. And the thing is, like, you don't need to worry about 
um, the hostel if they will behave bad or my visa will be revoked. Most of the policemen who are checking your papers or interviewing you are aware that this is just a procedure and some of them are not even doing willingly like just come because they just procedures they just take photo just call you you know I got a policeman calling me random on you know my phone you know some asking questions and from his voice and the way that he's asking questions you can understand somebody else on top is asking him to do so he's not willingly doing it or he just even knows you but he just yeah I have to ask this question like, oh this 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 and then you just reply and it is there basically and that's done so um it is time consuming and sometimes annoying but Usually, you don't need to worry if, if my visa is revoked or if they will confiscate my money. Um, unless you do something illegal, like quite obviously, they wouldn't... Um, like selling pot, never ever yeah, try um, to do Yeah, so drugs are basically... It is not like, oh, it's just weed I can smoke in some other countries. In, in China, it is... Um, it is really a bad thing to do. Um, yeah, in some places you are just you know ignored or so. But if there's like let's say crackdown on like drugs, and if by any chance if you get caught with drugs, um, it may end up with really long term of jail. And actually, based on their laws, they can execute you depending on how much drug you used or carried. So just be careful with the local laws. But other than that, um, besides time-consuming and getting tired, but you don't need to worry about if these people will randomly kick me out. You know, that, that will not happen. Um, but you just be careful what you do, especially for the obvious rules like attacking people or I don't know. Um, starting fight is okay, by the way, in traffic or something, so you don't need to worry about it. For the worst case, you need to pay some sort of bait which is usually not that high and depending on the case they may just let you go I mean I have I didn't personally involve in a fight but some of my friends did and especially if it's a traffic road rage usually you know they understand that okay, you know yeah this guy beat him you know this happened and so on but you know it was a traffic rage okay just pay the let's say that first aid stuff if you just break somebody's nose or something It usually ends up with that part, so that is okay. But if you just start a fight, I don't know, like let's say a nightclub or something, if it is a big one, then you, you will be quite severely punished. Okay, I will, uh, I will give you a different question than mine yesterday, like health care for you as a foreigner, mm. for me too. Maybe you can share about that during your nine years. Um, for health care... Um, Okay, so there's a quite a bit of difference between public and private hospitals in China. In public hospitals, um, I used, I think, once for private hospital or twice for my case. Um, and it was mostly because it was pretty much like when I first moved, I was having trouble. I was inflamed with my throat, basically. And it turns out that after talking to the doctor, he said many foreigners who come to China for the first time have some sort of adaptation process that... It is not thing bad, it's just you produce all the flame to just adapt the weather. Um, and he was also having similar stuff when he first moved to China. Um, Your doctor is foreigner? American-born Chinese. So he moved to China after living in the USA. So he was just saying, explaining that one. Of course, he just checked and so on, and then he said, okay, it is this. It is supposed to be fine after a month or so. so um that is my only private hospital experience i never went to private hospital afterwards but it's mostly because um yes you have private um insurance and so on by your company you but with your eyes and then you did your eyes once your eyes were really red and then also your teeth the yeah for, for those basically um yeah um so if you're Insurance, you can go to private hospitals, but they, if there's no insurance by your company, private hospitals are really expensive. Really? And even with your insurance, um, it may just exceed the amount of your insurance, like especially with dental expenses. So f in terms of private hospitals, I always use my um, insurance. Uh, and of course, private hospitals like fancier environment and so on. Um, so they're, they're, the yeah, there are a bunch of free stuff that kind of like mall or hotel kind of, you know, level of comfort and so on. Um, I went to private dentist 
because I was having problem with my teeth and once some sort of eye infection that I went to private hospital um so in both of his the the service that you get for your stuff is quite nice especially with dental um they're really tough and they try to help you they ask a lot of stuff like you know pay attention to you um so private hospital is based the private hospital that you may expect in terms of service and behavior for public hospitals um the quality of service that you may get may be lower than private hospital but again the healthcare itself is i think it is pretty much equal like um if fast, you're efficient. yeah it is <laughs> fast efficient cheap um from some sort of stuff you may not even pay anything um yes it is like messier it is not as fancy as a private hospital it looks it looks dirty or it looks dark because you know they use fever lights and so on um it might be crowded um which hospital that you are going or what time of the day it is and, and uh, some of the patient they don't know about privacy like i'm i'm having myself checked by the doctor yeah, and they're, they're just, just standing yeah, yeah, yeah. in the door like waiting and looking yeah. what the doctor did so yeah there's that kind of thing that's so okay.